Hey commuter, welcome to the first episode of Beyond Artless. It promises to be, well, average. Very, very average. However, our first guest is anything but average. In fact, I would say he's exceptional. So stick around, it's gonna be something. Said it. I'm Peter Haberman. I'm Phil Ostrander. Chris Gleason. Oh, that's God. You <laughs> sound like you're speaking into like a toilet just, bowl. What is okay, wrong with you? What, what could go wrong? What could go wrong? Here we go. Every four like podcasts, there will be a nugget, a kernel of wisdom uh, brought to us by a mystery guest. Oh, no. Lots of nuggets of wisdom from the mystery guests. One in four, will there be anything from us that's at all <laughs> that's helpful? Right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we're, uh, we're and just, one in 12 is for Chris, right? One in 12. Yeah, one in 12. he still can't get his camera working. We got to get no. up on him. We got to get our names in there. We got to get our names in there because we're trying to do this podcast about art. Plus being art. Uh, art plus about art. Friends and art. Friends. Artless friends. Um, all right, here we go. Ready? I'm going to do it again. My name is Peter Haberman. My name is Phil Ostrander. My name is Chris Gleason. Do you always think you're the most important one? You're never going to make it. Do you need a dramatic pause every single time you say your name? Hey, how are we going to get down? Chris Gleason, did I mention I'm a teacher of the universe? Our friends in the world of art that we get to learn about and be better teachers and artists and doctors and you can't even say your name. Just let's just start with you and see if we can roll after that. Ready? Come on, Here TED Talk, man. Let's go. I'm Chris Gleason. I'm Phil Ostrander. And I'm Peter Haberman. And welcome to Beyond Artless. All right, uh, gentlemen. Chris, what did what did you do for uh, Christmas? We never got to you earlier. Uh, you and the fam. Christmas, so, um, are, are we actually now actually starting this show for the very first time? Is this it? This is this is how yeah. we're starting. Yeah, Which, sure. what I did over the holidays. We're going to start downhill and stay there. Ah, I like it. All right, flat good. like Fargo Moorhead. <laughs> Just keep it right there. Nobody <laughs> wants to hear about your Fargo business. It's nobody. It's cold. Are you going to oh. let him answer the question? Or are you going to you're you're going to just keep pestering him? I'll wait. It was quite a bit of baking. I'm I am I am honest about that. Lefsa. Okay, I've What's... now become the Lefsa <laughs> expert in my family. Uh, listener, Lefsa is a Norwegian uh, kind of like flat <clears throat> bread, I guess. In a way, it's a potato. People yeah, potato bread. And uh, you can roll it up. This is and fascinating. Keep going. Look, I, I combine both of my hair. I, I got the German side from dad. I got the Norwegian side from mom. And so I just get a bratwurst and I wrap it in lefse. And it is tremendous. I'm just saying. <laughs> I will tell you, Chris, this is so not important and lame. But I also am the lefse maker, even though I'm just German and Czech. And my wife's the Norwegian. I make it with her mom and my daughter. And we make lefse every year at Christmas time because nice. that's how precious we are up here. I like that. That was our, everyone in the upper Midwest pretty much knows what lefse is, um, but wonderful, baked good. And I did say the word listener because I do believe, especially right now, we may only have one. So <laughs> <laughs> that person, I wanted to explain what lefse 
is. So anyway, it's nice of you. It is. Boys, I brought uh, here today. Speaking of our only listener. Thought it'd be fun to bring on a guest to, uh, well, basically to offer therapy to both of you. So um, the first (laughs) guest that we have, our very first guest is a tuba player. That's right, Phil. I'm so sorry. A tuba player. I don't want to go further in depression. I'm quite fine where I am. Grew up in (laughs) Michigan. He attended the fabled Interlochen Arts Camp. He's taught at institutions such as, now get this, Port Huron Northern High School. Does that help limit it down? No, I'll keep going. The University of Michigan at Ann Arbor. University of Wisconsin, Stevens Point. He served on the faculty and received degrees from the University of Michigan, where he studied with H. Robert Reynolds. In 2012, recipient of the UW Edna Whitehurst. Tuba player. Tuba player. Received awards. In fact, he's a tuba player received awards. Not only that, but the president of the Big Ten Band Directors Association. Oh, okay. Band director. All right. Yeah. He's in demand as a conductor, clinician, guest conductor throughout the United States and abroad. He currently serves as professor of music director of bands and the chair of conducting area at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. UW, that's it. The amazing human leader and musician is... Only one and only Scott Teeple. Scott Teeple. Scott Teeple. Yay. Has already been entertaining. I have to tell you, are you in your office? I am. work office? Yeah. I knew okay. it'd be quiet here. It would. Well, no that's true. <laughs> <laughs> there's no, yeah. there's yeah. no working here. It's quiet no. where Peter Aww. is too. The rest of his family left. Yeah. Yeah, they ran away a long time ago. How so are for, you, Scott? For Tracy in Wisconsin, I think that it was a great description of Lefsa. Yeah, I think Tracy knows. But... Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe we should have it's our like own. It's like the Norwegian here. tortilla, but not at all like the Norwegian tortilla. Maybe it should just be for Marcy in Minnesota. And then you just explain like what a double sharp is. Listener. You've chosen an, an unbelievable first guest for this um, excuse of a podcast. Thank you, uh, Professor <laughs> Tiffany, for ever... joining us. Yeah, I uh, I am honored to be here. I just love to see you guys, whether it's in the, the aisle at Midwest or WSMA, whatever. It's nice to get together and hang out. Even if it's just us, I think this is very satisfying. It's a major letdown for you, I'm sure, but it's very satisfying for me. It's a good possibility. And there's only one direction to go from here. I mean, you can only go up, so that's the perfect way to start a podcast. Now, Scott, I want to get the first question in here because these two will just keep – they'll steal the whole show the whole time. I want to go back to the year interlocking days. Talk to us about little Scotty Teeple and what were you doing at interlocking? Well, first, um, I have to set the record straight. I didn't attend the National Arts Camp. Then it was eight weeks. I think now it's six. Um, But I attended for two years the All-State program at Interlochen. That's right. So I was in the high school band. Yeah, I was in the high school band. Um, They're two-week sessions. And I can go on about this and just kill kill all of your time, but... um, the year before, the year between my eighth and ninth grade year, um, I went to the Blue Lake Fine Arts Camp for two weeks. And Max Plank from Eastern Michigan University was my band director. It was fantastic. 
And that year I um, auditioned and got into what is their international band and the, and the international band would rehearse for several weekends throughout the year and then meet again for a week in the early spring, right after school got out. And then they would travel to Europe and give all these concerts. So we, my parents would take me over to Blue Lake and we would do all of these rehearsals each weekend. And, and then I was on my high school band trip to Florida and I got word that the trip to Europe is being canceled because Gaddafi was having, all these terrorist attacks were happening. And they just thought it's a, a bus full, full of American high school kids would just be too vulnerable of a target. So it never actually happened. So then the next year, um, I went to Interlochen for the Allstate program at the suggestion of my high school band director. I was really fortunate that I had a lot of people who were making suggestions and pointing some things out, as I think everybody here um, can agree no. with and probably, yeah, <laughs> probably share the same stories. Peter so was encouraged to, 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 to actually not do anything that he's done and highly, did it anyway. Highly encouraged to stop at every moment. But did yeah. you grow Every up, time you, you went in your in director's Michigan. office, he would just move the sheets from the desk so you didn't see any camp possibilities. Any, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah so I did. Grew you, up gr in you grew up in Michigan, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> mm -hmm. yeah, I was born in Detroit. Um, actually, Southfield, just outside of Detroit. My parents had a music store in a strip mall in Detroit, and one night um, they got a call, and the strip mall was on fire. The store next to them, so the store burned down, the strip mall burned down and they moved back to Port Huron, Michigan, which is about a hundred, hundred miles from Ann Arbor. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that's where they're both from. And they started the music store again. So I grew up around all of this stuff and I would go on the road with my dad. I loved going into band rooms and meeting the band directors. That was just like at a very early age, I felt I had met my tribe, my people, my, it was just fast. Everything about it was fascinating to me. Did your pop so, love the road warrior aspect of it too? My dad was seasoned like, veteran. Yeah, he is front of house. He he loved the interconnection, the the interaction, the connection with the band directors, hearing what was going on when they did fittings. He he loved hearing the kids make sounds, and the staff from the music store would go and help. I mean, that was just his thing. And my mom was very much back of house, did the bookkeeping, accounting, kept. Yeah. Did but, mom, did, so I think that was a good balance. Mom or dad play an instrument? My dad was a singer. Hmm. Yeah. My dad was a singer. And actually he went to Interlochen when he was in, was when he was in high school, he went um, for a camp in the summer and sang. Awesome. Yeah. That's but cool. look yeah. in that high school camp. Okay. The high school, yeah. you know, the all state, did they have like cheer auditions, like placement auditions? <clears throat> yeah. And, and like, did the other students vote on you moving up or down the seats? Yeah. Yeah. So this is how oblivious I was. I mean, I was just kind of like a bumper. You know how you put those, those bumpers in the gutters of a bowling alley and you throw the ball and you just kind of. So I Yeah, just, that's the only way I Phil was... bowls is he doesn't know how to do it any other way. <laughs> I was just kind of bumping through. I'm okay. Go this way and go that way. So I get to Interlochen, having been to that 
Blue Lake experience the summer before and my high school band, which was good, but of course it wasn't interlocking kind of level. And I get there and there's, they, they hold auditions and I meet this guy named Jerry Young, who's just this kind of, you know, he's just a guy. He's holding the tuba. He's yeah, a right. guy. I go and I play for him. Other people play for him. There might have been eight tubas, nine, something like that. I don't know. I play for him. My fourth chair come out and I get my music folder. And there's this piece called Canzona by Peter Menon. And you banks and brays. And I thought, oh, there's a slow song. And it's just holding B flat for the It's like dotted half notes to the whole page. And then this piece called Symphony in B-flat by Hindemith. And I thought, okay. And then this guy comes to the first rehearsal named Larry Ratcliffe. And my life has never been the same since yeah. that. I mean, mm-hmm. I will try not to get choked up here, fellas. But it was, it was a life-changing experience in the most literal sense. It changed how I thought about music. It changed how I thought about rehearsals. It changed how I thought about my role it changed as as a musician in a group it changed how i paid attention to conductors it it was what why do you think he was that way why do you think he was so good i mean i I worked with him once for a week and i was much older but i had the same experience it just everything in me was like exponentially on like in charge it was charging forward yeah well um i guess for me at that age, it was um, this this individual knew absolutely everything he could possibly know about the music, and I mean that beyond the 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 mechanical information, like the second clarinet comes in here, and the you know the snare drum comes in here. He knew, he knew how the second clarinet part was supposed to feel. And he knew how the third clarinet part was supposed to feel with the second clarinet part and how the whole composite, like he could look at all the dots of the, of the Surratt painting up close and have the whole painting in his mind still. He didn't have to step back from it. It was all right there. You got so close. You said beyond the... Ah, uh, no, oh, it. beyond okay. the notes. Okay. Yes. First oh, I'm guest. sorry. First, yeah. See, first guest. It's okay. Yeah. Trademark, no, your second guest. I'm so, I'm telling you, it's just going to go up from here. Yeah. Look, but if he, you could cry just... a little bit, Scott, that might help the rating. So you know, just let it go. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. Okay. <laughs> good. Yeah. He just knew. Um, you know, he just knew everything about the music, and he he had this energy that was palpable. You couldn't help. You couldn't help but want to absolutely play your best. You couldn't help but absolutely cheer for everybody else to do the same thing. And everyone was, everybody was pulling. And and I can remember those rehearsals were so intense. I don't know if he ever looked at the score ever for any piece. But Scott, I had a, he, I had Larry, I had Larry also at Interlochen. That's where Chris and I first yeah. met. Chris is still trying to recover from Interlochen. Yeah. Uh, so, do you remember that but, chair placement part? You know, where it was eight yeah, uh, weeks of trying to get into the upper orchestra, and there was a trombone player who kept no. Listen, yeah, so the denying the voting, me, the voting no. was rigged. <laughs> the voting was down rigged. There. The, the, 
Was it old Dominion you... chair voting systems? Well, Dude, no, hey. Chris just would add a stinger to every passage in his uh, <laughs> <laughs> vote challenge. I'm not exactly sure why he thought that was a good idea or how it would help him. Tchaikovsky well, wanted it there. So, I mean, let it happen. But my very first summer there, I had uh, Larry also as a conductor and conducted music for Prague from memory. And I, 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 you, you just, yeah, I just could not fathom anybody that could commit that kind of material to memory that way. Couldn't believe it. Was it. So intense. Huh? It was so yeah. intense. I remember a raccoon fell. You know, the bowl there has these has these <laughs> logs in the ceiling, and so we're rehearsing in the bowl, and a raccoon fell from one of those logs, and it was like Moses came through the band within a millisecond. The band parted because everyone was panicked, and he flipped because we lost our concentration because we could not. <laughs> you know, I'm sitting there with. I was just stunned. I. Wow. Oh my gosh, it was intense. Yeah, but that um, that chair system. I think it was every was it every Monday or every Thursday or something. You would play. Uh, we were in the tuba hut behind the bowl, and you would play. Yep. And then somebody else, the person next to you, would play, and then you put your head your heads down. And then you would close your eyes and a thumbs up or a thumbs down. So I moved from fourth chair to first chair. And I thought, I, I don't, it, and I was like of the bumpers just going down the alley. I was just playing. And I thought, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to move in this direction. I know how, I know how much pressure is on that first seat. <laughs> it was just so intense. I didn't want to. No, thanks. You should have but. tried just putting a stinger at the end of each of the excerpts like Chris did. He never got there. That's the yeah. best way to do that. So all your degrees at Michigan? you? Yeah. Well, I did a bachelor's. I don't have a doctorate, but I did a bachelor's, and then I taught high school, and then I went back and did a master's. master's. And then I got hired cool. there. So while I was at Michigan, I was the assistant director of bands at Michigan, and then... Stevens Point called and asked if I knew any grad students who would be interested in the Stevens Point job. You know, they're just kind of collecting names for their pool. So they said, hey, if you have any graduate students that are there that you know of or anybody that would be interested. And I knew that both Dennis Glocky and Don Schleicher had that same job. So and I was the assistant marching band director at Michigan at the time. So I, you know, that kind of consumes your life also. I thought, yeah, I, th I think I might be interested in this job. So I applied and then. That was the year Bob retired. So Bob retired. Jim Tapia went to Syracuse to do the orchestras, and I went to Stevens Point. Scott, I got. I know Peter went like skipped over about ten years there, so I'm going <clears> to <throat> force you to backtrack. Um, yeah, and, and uh, that's okay because uh, Peter's always going too fast at everything. Um, uh, so He's just I have buttons on my instrument. <laughs> buttons. The buttons let you go much faster. Yeah. It's faster isn't always better, Doctor Hoberman. It's okay. Um, so I, I, I want to backtrack in that. So you had these formative experiences at Ernalakan, and both Chris and I had them as well. Um, yeah. You know, regardless of how Chris recovered or not, uh, I'm wondering how your how your um, parents felt about you making the big shift 
uh, you know, into like, oh, I could do this as a career. Were they supportive? I mean, I know they were music store owners, so I assume they they were. But did they were there stipulations? Do you have to do this kind of degree, or what? What did they have to say about it? No, it was th- that conversation never came up. I knew from an okay. early age that I wanted to be a band director. It's kind of a warped story, but I um, my kindergarten teacher took us to the high school band room to hear the high school band rehearse. And at the end of that rehearsal, they asked if anybody wanted to direct the band. And I raised my hand. But of course, I knew Mr. Payton because I had been on the road with my dad. So to me, Mr. Payton was this epic hero. And I, the story is I went home and told my parents that day after that rehearsal, I want to be a band director. And I never went through the phases of I want to do this or do that. I just, I'm just going to be a band director. And my grandfather, even earlier than that, my grandfather was a, um, you wanted to go back 10 years, Phil. I just went back. (laughs) How long is this podcast? Um, My grandfather was a member of the Salvation Army. And the Port Huron Salvation, so my dad and Jim Kernow grew up together, and the Himeses were the majors at the Salvation Army. So um, Colonel Himes... Um, Bill Himes' mom and dad were friends with my grandparents. My grandfather played baritone horn in the Salvation Army Band. So I would go to the, they would have services in the park in the summer on Sunday, right Mm -hmm. by the Blue Water Bridge that connects Port Huron to Sarnia, Ontario. And the band would play. And then on Sunday nights during the fall, winter, and spring, they would be at the Citadel. And that warm brass sound, oh my gosh, I can just, I mean, that still to Mm. this day. So anyway, there's that whole connection. There was never a, uh, you can do music, but you have to have, you know, you have to do a minor in journalism or something. It it was just always there for me. I I was encouraged, but there was uh, multiple warnings uh, every other day uh, by my parents who were both music educators. Um, So it it was... uh, Sure, you can consider that, uh, uh, but with a double major in this and uh, that and the other, and yeah. So, so how much faith they had in you, Phil? I see. I see. <laughs> did you get a uh, double major? Uh, I lasted a year and a half as a mechanical engineering engineering major, and then uh, actually, the math majors. really got had, to them. Yeah. I, yes, the, the engineering part, and I also had the two other majors: the performance and music ed. I had all three sort of rolling around for about a year and a half. And Holy then cow. math got hard. Can I ask what summers were you at Interlochen? Uh, Chris and I were both no, there. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's not how this Well, works, let me ask Scott. this. For Chris and I, it would have been somewhere between the summers of 1990 and 92. Yeah. 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 92. Actually. I sat next to uh, a great trombone player, and uh, I practiced as hard as I have in my whole life to try and get close to him uh, in challenges. Uh, but Jim Markey... Uh, I think he spent the summer knitting and playing an organ and I, I never, I, I never got even close, not even close. Might as well put a stinger on every note. <laughs> it works for Chris. Oh, you. <laughs> All right. So Scott, can we, <clears throat> I'd like to go back even farther. Let's, <laughs> no, we, we can do this. Talk to us about your thoughts when you were two. Great. Oh, this is really going to go. This is amazing. So you, you and I talked a while. I don't yeah. remember how many years ago this was, but but yeah. you were talking about when you were at Stevens Point, you were there for a long, I mean, decade? Uh, five years. 
Oh, five years. Oh, way off. Um, But then there was that transition where you were there, but not there, or that whole thing that happened in in Madison. And well, I was in, I was at Stevens point for five years. And then um, it would, it was the fall of my sixth year. And I got a call from somebody here on campus and they said, Hey, we have an interim position open. Right. Would you be interested? <clears throat> so I took a year leave of absence from Stevens Point, but I was I was here. Jim got the orchestra right. job, and I got the band job. Yep. And ultimately, how'd they turn Sweet. out for you? Well, we'll see. The verdict still <laughs> <laughs> depends who you ask. Scott, I know we talked about this uh, at Midwest, but I really enjoyed the performance, your performance with their group at the CBDNA that you hosted, it was really wonderful. Why, uh, why did you want to commission Danny? Well, I know it was a former student, right? Like you knew him as a student or how did that come around? And then the Beanbender piece, I want you to talk more about digging into that because there's not a lot of things with a singer, random instruments and a toy piano that make me go, now that was artful. And yet there it was, it was really cool. Uh, the, um, Sorry, what was the question? <laughs> the uh, the Dan Mitchell that happens piece. with all of Peter's questions. <laughs> what? Well, by the time I, I get done answering, you're gonna you're gonna wonder what the question was. I just well, Chris hasn't even asked one yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, he asked he, about he, my he when a... I was two. Uh, we had to move, move that, that along. Down. That was a great <laughs> question. I can't. It... Yeah. Sorry. Sometimes if I have he to wasn't leave. the host of this event, I don't know what I don't know how to make this work, but that's okay. Yeah, Dan Mitchell uh, was a student at Stevens Point when I was there, and he wrote. He was studying. He was in the theory and composition track that Charles Young had created. Charles Rochester Young of Tempered Steel and other pieces fame, and um, there was this H. Robert Reynolds Young Composers Competition with the National Wind Ensemble that Bob conducted yeah, yeah, yeah. At, in New York City at Carnegie Hall every year. And I said to Dan, hey, you know, there's this Young Composers Competition. You sh- he's writing. Charles had everybody writing pieces at Stevens Point. All the students had composition as part of their curriculum. I don't know if that's still true, but Dan was a singer-songwriter. And he would just sit down and play at the piano and sing, and it just oozed music i mean everything that guy does it comes out of every pore of him and that's that is not an exaggeration of how deep his music making is so he wrote this piece sent it in and he came and he's kind of just beside himself and said i i won so um, that piece is called the dawning of a soul and bob did it at interlochen or at at carnegie hall well Dan is now the, I mean, Dan is living in Nashville and he was doing a lot of arranging and now he's the um, keyboard player and band leader slash arranger for Miranda Lambert. So he's, he's doing just fine, right? He doesn't need a, a little commission, but I had called him and asked if he would write a piece. We were hosting CBDNA and it was, um, I think during the pandemic or, or just as we were getting vaccinated and I said, could you write? And, and for me, the music that Dan writes that just really resonates is his slow. I mean, he does a lot of things as you can imagine, but 
I just asked if he would write this kind of slow piece and if he would make sure it's accessible to a variety of abilities so other ensembles could play it. <clears throat> and what we were really talking about is a way to include audience and in the audience participation kind of thing. So I had, I had tossed out with him this idea that had come to my mind about either humming this little light of mine or somehow working it. it I, I just didn't know. We were brainstorming about some things. And I said, just, just do whatever you feel is comfortable. And yeah. he came, sent this terrific piece and said, I couldn't really think of a way to include the audience singing in a room while we were still getting out of the pandemic and just, that's great. So he did this piece and, um, you know, it, it's, it's just this four and a half E flat major, beautiful song. And yeah, uh, from the, from the depths <clears throat> we rise or for the from depths, the depths we rise. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. And you read the great. program note and it's the program note really peels back the layers of exactly why I thought Dan would be perfect for our performance at that concert and him giving this contribution. And he starts talking about not only the difficulties, but then he started thinking about the first responders and all the people who had stepped forward to bring us out of this. And then he started thinking more globally. And it's, I, I just, I, I just think it's beautiful. I didn't know who he was, so I just like wrote it down and like yeah. immediately went online. And the only Danny Daniel Mitchell I can find is some good pianist for some band, is like a rock. I was like, well, this isn't the same guy and composer, and I kept going back to his page. And then yeah. finally, I just like, well. And then I asked you for his information, and you just gave me the same web page. I'm like, I guess this yeah. is the guy. So yeah, it's, yeah, that's it's great. Danny Mitchell Music, DannyMitchellMusic.com. Um, his parents had Mitchell piano works in Stevens Point. They're both Stevens Point grads. And he went to Spash High School with Joe Adams, who was his band director. And the guy is just incredibly talented. And he's not going to tell you how talented he is. So I will. So Scott, I have another question for you too, because everyone that all three of us know, um, unless Chris, you want to make another joke at my expense, but just hang on, just wait, wait, wait a minute. Uh, hold, hold, uh, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone I know like says the most wonderful things about you as a teacher and musician and uh, mentoring figure. Uh, Both I of my, those my people question, do. I, yeah, I, I those made it twenty dollars bills. I got all those to, twenty dollars bills got, you just been, been putting around. They just you I know, got they come three, back. I, three of them, them might be your family members. Not sure. Yeah, um, you got to get more friends. <laughs> um. I guess what I'm wondering is, I, they all say the same thing, and I know they're not lying because I've met you now more than more than one time, several times, uh, and I've seen you conduct and, and teach. I'm, I'm wondering how you address like the first five minutes you get with a group of musicians, because uh, as players, all of us make an, a judgment call within about five minutes about a conductor or a teacher or someone on the podium, typically. And we're like, I like this person, and I'm I'm going to work hard for them, or I I trust them, or whatever, and. I get the sense that that is a piece of cake for you. But when you stand up there in that first five minutes and you're, and you are able to convince musicians to do things. And I'm wondering if you have a conscious way you approach that first five minutes or you just do your thing. I think that the beginning of the rehearsal is so fraught with possibility that I'm just too excited. <laughs> I think that's what it is for me. I'm just too freaking excited about that experience. 
I don't know. I, I, I do this and I do this every, every semester here and I do it. I did it with the Wisconsin state honors band, but, um, I try to go around and shake every kid's hand. Cause I just want to see, I want to look in their eyes. So I, I typically do that. And then I, I like to start mm-hmm. rehearsal without talking. First of all, I think, okay, these kids don't care who I am. They're not interested in not who's all. that guy and where is he from and what degree does he have and where did he, they could not be any less interested in that. Um, but that raccoon story, no, they would love that. The raccoon oh, story. Oh yeah. Keep going. But they're going to be interested in that story later. Right. So I right, think right. these, these people are here to make music. They're nervous. They don't know the person sitting next to them. Some of them, like me, might have imposter syndrome. Like, uh, should I be sitting in this clarinet section? Should I be first chair oboe? Should I be last kazoo? Whatever. So I just try to start with the music, right? So mm-hmm. I guess that's how it goes. I, I like to go as long as I can without talking because I think that's the way that the music seeps into their skin. I always try to have some element of humility about what, what I'm doing uh, some element of warmth and humor and uh, general acceptance for, for everyone that's there and definitely let them play. But I also want the know, them to know that I'm listening to them. Yeah. Uh, and that, uh, you know, at some point in that five minutes, I'm going to listen to some and react to something that they do in a positive way. Yeah. And then offer us maybe, a, maybe, maybe, or maybe not even offer a suggestion uh, about how to uh, about what else we could do in addition. So, but, but, yeah, but it's, I, there's no prescription for it. I don't. I don't. It, it, I hate to right. prescribe it because it doesn't work. But just starting with music, Scott. Not, I mean, I've seen that. you do that. You, you have. I've seen you work with adults. I've go seen ahead, you Peter. You interrupt him. Go ahead. I'm going to interrupt him. Yeah. Go ahead. But it's more than that for you. You, you do you that one-on-one handshaking thing is a physical example of it, but you really are trying to connect with them in a way that's different than other people do in that same time. For yeah. Tracy and, and wherever you are, Tracy, this is really getting rich and deep now. <laughs> this, this is really precious. I don't think I do any, I, I, I know I don't do anything different than the three of you or the rest of our colleagues in, in the profession. We all care about it. We show how we care in a certain way. Um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm interrupting you, Scott, because this is baloney, because here's the deal. I remember looking at my students saying, you're too loud. And you would look at them and say, hmm, how can you fit your sound into the sound of that first clarinet? I mean, look, the way you frame things is always positive and beautiful. And then, you know, I think- well, that's what comes. That's what gets through the filter. Yeah, that's what oh. gets it on the other side. Well, well, here's this is what I was going to say earlier that I think taking notes about the filter thing. Haberman, take the notes about the filter. (laughs) Write it down. What's a filter? We'll talk about that later. Keep going. Filter. Yeah, I think it's a mute you put in your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) See, this goes back to Larry Ratcliffe, though. You knew you knew from the tuning note how he felt and reacted to music. It, it wasn't, it wasn't a, we're going to line this rhythm up with that. And this is going to be in tune. It was just all feeling. And then he, he wiggled the parts together, like the pieces of the puzzle that just needed to be twisted a little bit to lock in. That needs to go a little faster. That's just a little sharp, but it was all, all, 
all the music all the time. So I think that I, I do that better some days than others. But I also no, think the beginnings part, the beginning part of rehearsals, and I certainly, and I do this here, but I can point out experiences with the Wisconsin kids. I want them to know everybody else is listening to them. I don't want them mm -hmm. to be accountable to me. I want them to be accountable to the people who are sharing their music stand and the people who are in front and behind them and to the person who's across the group. That's the accountability, right? So I don't need your confession. I'm not a priest. Don't tell me you played a wrong note. I don't need the confession. We all heard it and the people next to you heard it. And we all just trust that it's not going to happen the next time we get to this measure. But Okay, young music educators, that's, that's like a truth. You know what I mean? That is an honest uh. to goodness truth is that you need to divorce yourself from being the center, right? Of the, Pete, and that's the everything thing, applies to you except for the young word, the Fil young, not, filters not the young starts word. with an F. Filter no, starts with music an F. educator, not young. Fil young. Fil because when you agree, approaching older. Wouldn't you agree, Scott, that that's kind of the thing? It's like, you know, you have, you have the baton, you're the center of the stage, like everything revolves around you. But in essence, we're really trying no. to empower the ensemble. Yes. I don't, yeah, I just do not subscribe to the everything revolves around me. And I know you didn't mean it that way, but just for, in case my mom happens to hear this or somebody else. <laughs> She's not listening either. I, I, uh, yeah, right. She gave up after I, Chris's two-year-old question. <laughs> I just, I very much think of myself as a collaborator. Now, I do think I have to be an example of vulnerability for the musicians to feel like they can take risks too, yeah. right? And I think of specific musicians in the wind ensemble here right now that that latch on to that and they become examples for the people around them. So somebody else sees one of their peers doing it as well, that I think that that gets, I think that gets more investment and buy-in in the long run. The last thing I want somebody to do is spend part of their day in a practice room, getting a part ready so that I'm happy or that I don't focus on them. I want that. We all want them to do it because the rewards of the music are great and it's worth all of our time and investment. Right. When I was doing, when I was doing the Wisconsin state honors <clears throat> we were working like dogs in june it was also the first time in my life i ever had strep so i was just digging deep to just get through and we were we were working on michael doherty's bells for stakowski and there isn't anything about that piece that's easy except the release at the end just finally we made it no stinger and chris I, there's no stinger no no stinger no stinger yeah. and i i remember thinking okay I mean, we had worked, we had been working on, we were in, we were in it now. There was no going back, right? So you, you know what I'm talking about? We had invested that much time and there, and it was still just not coming together yet. And not only was it not coming together, there wasn't, there wasn't buy-in from the students yet. You can just, you know, I'll know what I'm talking about. You can feel that. Absolutely. So, so um, I just stopped in rehearsal at one point and I said, is this piece too hard? Thinking, of course, the response was going to be a unanimous, no, 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 not yet. Just get. And, and a kid in the trumpet section in the dead silence said, yes. <laughs> and I thought, Tipo, you idiot, just lost. 
and if I was if I was as smart or funny or witty as any of the three of you, I would have had something funny to break the tension at that moment. That's that's I can't. I'm not funny. I'm just not a funny guy. <laughs> and that's funny that I'm not funny. So what the did only you thing do? I could you do was like... just keep going. I just I just said, let's just not give up yet because I really think this is just around the corner. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Give it four more so, hours. Just let's yeah, buckle you know down. We'll be fine. Look, in three years, we're going to be ready. <laughs> All right. Just, hey, let's just give now, it three years, kids. I can tell you, Scott, having attended that concert this summer and my son being a part of the band, he loved every minute working with you. You are an absolute gem. And Wisconsin's happy and, and proud to have you um, at the helm. So uh, now, Scott, I have a speed round ready for you ready so oh, you have to hey do you guys do you guys listen to um alan alda's podcast clear and vivid oh clear and vivid no it's fantastic but he has Put this it it's like the james lipton sorry chris you can cut this you can edit this out if you want to press mark clip um but he has this kind of list <laughs> like james lipton did it's pretty cool chris doesn't know what mark clip means but keep going <laughs> Anyway, so that sounds like what you got going here. That's exactly. I love You're it. Taking it from Alden. Uh, Alden, who? Who is it? Alden <laughs> oh, Alda Lord. from Mash. Alan Alda. Come on. Oh yeah, Mash. That's right. I knew that. All right, you ready? Here we go. Hey, Tuba. you're gonna want to check that out because Itzhak Perlman is his first guest. Ah, uh, wow. See? It's about communication. Yeah. It's you know, listener. Yeah. After you're done with this, make that number two on your podcast list. Or number one. I mean, however, wherever we want to cut back in here. <laughs> well, on this episode, for sure. This might be the hey, only I gotta episode. go listen to a podcast. I'll be back. I gotta go. <laughs> go. <laughs> all right. Number one. Yeah. Does the person flying in the middle seat get both armrests? No. Okay. Uh, number no. two. New York style or Chicago deep dish? New York style's thinner, right? Yeah, yeah, New York style. New York, okay. Mm-hmm. Pineapple or no pineapple on pizza? Oh, no pineapple on pizza. But I love pineapple. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? I've got to tell you. <laughs> can I tell you a story about Die Hard? Please, this is, anything this is besides this, this lightning rod would be great. <laughs> Teacher of the year coming up with these questions. Oh Teacher God. of the year coming up with these questions. <laughs> We got to cut that whole last 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yes. So, please tell us to die hard. So I'm uh, hanging out with my godson and his dad. My godson's 15. Well, was 15, I think now 16, but he, uh, Hey, Uncle Scott, you, uh, you want to watch die hard three tonight? Sure. Okay. Do I need to have seen one and two? You haven't seen one and two. No. You haven't seen Die Hard 1? No. So we start the original Die Hard, right? Twice his mom comes downstairs and is just like letting her husband know she's not happy about the volume of this movie and that we're going to wake up his little brother. We get to the last 10 minutes and my godson, John, says, oh, I got to call it. I'm just beat. We've got 10 minutes left in this movie. What are you talking about? Sorry, Chris. Put ketchup, ketchup on your eggs. 
Are you trying yes, to go sometimes. back to these questions? I am going back to the questions. <laughs> yep. I see. I think sure. ratings plummeting. Hot dog. <laughs> is a hot dog a sandwich? Uh, a hot dog is no. I a hot dog isn't a real meat. It's not a real thing. Mahler or Shostakovich? Ooh. Mm. What day is it? Tuesday. In the winter or spring? Winter. Definitely winter. Uh, I'd say Mahler. A song cycle Mahler. or symphony? Mm. Symphony. Yeah, I'd say Mahler. So going yeah. back to Peter's question about Peter. the CBDNA concert, Biedenbender's music, we just did his saxophone concerto. David yeah. Biedenbender's music is so great. I still and he love is it. such a really good guy. And he's got yeah. Wisconsin connections too, doesn't he? He was born here. Yeah. Yeah. I've done his Tremone Sonata. I've done his Tremone choir pieces. Yeah. Oh, great. And his music sounds so very different, right? And not only yes. the years of his, but like even things he's writing right next to each other. It's not like, you know, Vivaldi wrote one piece and just had different cadences that he's made starting and stopping. I mean, it's just yeah. amazing uh, in interest in it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Great guy, great composer. Scott, we didn't think about how we're going to get out of this, Chris. Yeah, we did. Please, well, one more question. I do. Here it is. Is the glass half empty or half full? It's always half full, right? That's what I'm talking about because that's Scott Teeple, people. Half full all the time. You are awesome, Scott Teeple. We are proud to know you and thankful that you came on our one and only podcast. This may be the only episode, <laughs> but hell darn it. <laughs> we, we, we had fun. I had fun. Peter, wake this up. This was really. a blast. That was, feeling this is was, mutual. This was something. This was really something. No, this was something. It was, it was everything really. I expected. <laughs> yes, it was. And can I just say thank you for... That's another one. You did not disappoint. Listen, yes. no one knows how to bounce a plane along a runway like we do. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, Scott, we've wasted enough of your time. Well, my mom's I love you guys. My mom's and I, uh, oh, we love you, Scott. to be spending time with you. So thanks for, the thanks for doing this. And this was great. If it's yeah. the last one, I'm sorry. You know, I did what I could. <laughs> yeah. So you did we, we didn't give you anything to work with. And for this, I'm so sorry. No. We didn't give you much to start with. But <laughs> very, very little raw material. <laughs> thanks good. scott all right you too all right happy, happy new year, year. Yeah. take care happy see you later care. yeah he's a good dude like this right. sincerity is pretty real that was great there's a lot of things we have to cut but there's a lot of things that uh <laughs> are worth keeping when he was talking but when you were speaking not so much Gleason, have you ever interviewed anyone in your look, whole life look, you just stopped talking like for the middle uncle. 40 minutes <laughs> Yeah, but come on, let's get back to Teeple. He is a good guy. He is. He is. He, fantastic. He is. He's a good musician. It was fun. Yeah. It's um, good stuff. Yeah, that was a good, that's a good first guest. It's going to be great. We'll have to work on uh, Chris's notes he takes uh, to get ready for rehearsal. It'll be great. It was good that we addressed the, the filter issue. I think that's a good thing. Yeah. I still don't know what that, what we were addressing there. I haven't. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Okay. But, um, We've got a whole nother, what, like 392 of these or yeah, so? Yeah, before to, we even start releasing them. 
Yeah. <laughs> build them all up and then just... really got to get an archive going. <laughs> My mother-in-law's quilt group is going to start sponsoring us because that's the only person yeah. that... You're, you're the quilting group and the good people at Trombotine. Beyond Artless is sponsored by Beyond the Notes Music Festival. Our mission is to create and provide profound learning and social experiences through music that go beyond the notes. Visit btnmusicfestival.com to learn more.